us to move into places that we have not had the privilege. When people are in trouble, they need us. They need you. We are the light of the world. Amen? So this is our season. That does not negate the fact that we pray. We pray. We believe. We stand on the promises of God as we've sung about this morning. And we are believing God without a doubt that He is in control. And He is going to take care of whatever happens here. Now, Bishop will be talking to you a little more about that next Sunday, um, and I'm sure. But I do want to remind you, as, as uh, Pastor Durbin has already said, next week is at the movies. And we have done this two years in a row. However, this year is really exciting. Pastor has is taking two of them, and Pastor Rannon is doing two, and they've been working on this for weeks. They are going to be powerful. I'm telling you, they're going to be powerful. You don't want to miss them, and you don't want your friends to miss them. It's an awesome opportunity for you to get people in the house of God. And I truly believe that people are, uh, are really open right now. We're moving into, yes, a holiday season, but it is a troubled time in our nation, a very divided time in our nation, a very divisive. And in the middle of that, there are opportunities that you usually don't get that God's going to open up to us to um, cause there to be hope again. There has to be hope. Without hope, you don't have faith. Without faith, nothing can please God and nothing is done without faith. So we release that. I want to say thank you to all of our guests that are here today. Thank you for being with us. I um, had intended and have been, been working on a message that God has put in my spirit for a long time, but uh, the last few days, Pastor really felt that I should finish this series on covenant. So I'm glad to do that today. I have a lot of word in my spirit, but I want to just kind of put a bug in your ear in the next few weeks, probably in December, I'll be sharing a word called, when you change the name, you change the game. And um, it's, it has to do with the name that is written upon every believer. And I have, I, I doubt, I know I didn't have a clue how powerful, until I've been digging into it for the last few months, how powerful the name that we represent truly is. And so we'll be talking about that with you in the next few weeks. I, um, I'm doing a series, we're in a series, you know, we started off by just sharing the, the covenant this is the good life, living the good life. And the covenant life is, a, is better than a contract life. Can you say amen to that? And the sacrifice that God made for us was the second part. And pastor talked to us about the nine steps that we go through in making covenant. Do y'all remember some of those nine steps? What are they? You don't. Okay. I'm going to tell him that. Uh, no, I won't. I won't. But I, I know you will remember some, some of them. But of course, the, the two bloody halves that were cut and they walked between them and, and, and made a covenant. Then there are those where they, there, was, there was the bloodshed um, when they exchanged coats. Do you remember those? Nine? Okay, so we talked about the nine coats. I'll be talking about that last one a little bit more today. But last week was a ceremony and we talked about marriages and pastor talked to you about um, the covenant of marriage. And oh my Jesus, I, I said, he used the S-E-X word so many times I was praying over there <laughs> and interceding in the spirit. But we made it. Yes, we did. Yes. I can just tell you this. We as a church... I would much rather hear it from the Bible than my kids get it from the walls of the restrooms at school. So I just admonish you to go home and teach them what the Word says. Amen? Okay, so that's the first three weeks. Today, we're going to kind of finish up this series, and I'm going to tackle a subject that we've not fully addressed, and that's this. What do you do? When you have a broken covenant, when a relationship is not intact, 
when it's kind of gotten off the rails. What do we do? When, we, uh, when one thing, uh, we enter into a relationship, usually, it's one thing when we know what we're doing and we enter into it with confidence and with hope. And, but then it's another thing when that relationship has been broken and situations have caused it to be um, less than desirable. So how do we mend them? How do we mend them? I'm going to ask you if you already have done that. I'm going to, I have notes on your app this morning. So <clears throat> if you want to go there, on your phone or your device, you can do that. And uh, you can download that if you want. And we'll be taking notes from there and hopefully they'll put those on the screen. So I'm gonna talk to you about broken relationships and what we do in a covenant relationship when someone's not a follower of Christ. They're not living possibly up to their side of the covenant that they made with you or you made together. How do you get back on track? And how do we mend it? So, with that said, let me pray over you and ask God to give us the words and to speak through us today to help people in this congregation. Because another thing I want you to know is don't just learn for yourself. Learn today so that you can help someone else as well. Father, I thank you for every person here, and I thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are covenant keepers. You are the greatest covenant keeper, and I thank you, Father, that you made covenant with us through salvation. So I'm asking you today, as we talk about these things, where the rubber meets the road, where we have experienced uh, troubled times and troubled and there have been challenges in our life. Father, give me the word. Speak through me. When I don't have the right words, Father, I expect that your spirit is going to do what I cannot do with my natural words. So I thank you today, Lord Jesus, that you're going to cause our hearts to be opened up and our ears to hear what the spirit is saying to the church. Can I get an amen? Okay, so to discover our answers we must first take a bird's eye view of the scripture and how God makes a covenant with his people and then people break the covenant. It has been the oldest thing since time. But here's the deal. They make a covenant, God does. The people break it, but God always makes a way for them to get back. God keeps coming back. And so here's what happens. God will make covenant. He'll stick to his promise. The people in the Old and even the New Testament will break that covenant. And somehow God will make a way and welcome them back and love them. Give them another opportunity. Then they'll go make another covenant. Then they'll break it again. And the cycle just keeps going and going and going. And that's what we find out with the children of Israel all through the Bible. And when we, but today, uh, I'm going to read a text to you in a moment that's quite unusual for this kind of thing, because the times you've heard this text, it's always been about one subject. Today, it's, a, it's an overarching theme. It's a, a, some truths and principles that I want us to learn in a big picture. There's always a covenant uh, in a covenant relationship, there's a victim, and, a, and then there is the violator. There's the person that's the victim, and God is always the victim because he never violates a covenant, ever. Say never, ever. Never, ever, ever. So in the big picture, man is usually always the, or is always the violator. But that's kind of hard for us to hear because we want to say, look, I never would have done that if they hadn't have done this. And if they hadn't have done this, then I wouldn't have done this and this. So we don't want to take responsibility that we could be a violator. But the truth is, in your life, you will be both at some time or another. At times, you will find yourself a victor. And at times, I'm sure there have been places where you have violated situations. But the covenant is both victim and violators at times. And it's often hard to determine which one you may be. In Israel's case, they were the violator, but God was the victim. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I want to make a bold statement. This is in your notes. Hopefully, if it isn't, write it down. Because this is something that I want you to get in your spirit. Every 
Say every. Every relationship in our lives has an impact on our relationship with God. Every single one. Your relationship with your spouse. And we can do this by, because of the cross. We can talk about this. And I'm just about to go there. But there is a vertical and a horizontal relationship. The vertical relationship is with God. Could you put that slide up there with me of the cross? I want you to see this with me today. Because this is the, this is the vertical. See God at the top. Man is there and in the middle is the heart you you see that the vertical is right here but the cross the i mean the uh, horizontal are the relationships that surround us that are in our life man to man man to woman friend to friend husband to wife all, kid child to father mother all of those relationships your boss any kind of friend relationship those are our horizontal relationships but vertical relationship is the heart one that's where uh, God did not send his only son Jesus Christ just to die on a cross only it's not just a symbol of the cross but it's also a symbol of what God's done for us and how much he loved us to give his only son and to make covenant with us and keep establishing that covenant. It's the most important thing in your life is your relationship with him first. Most importantly, more than anything else, the power of the cross. God works on heart changes. And so the more you keep your heart in line with God, the more your relationships are going to work out here. Do you understand? So it comes from the heart. Out of the heart are all the issues. So you got to make sure your heart has been transformed by the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus said it like this in John 13, 35. Look, if you want to know how I'm going to know you, how I'm going to know you're my disciples, it's going to be that your love that you have one for another but you got to first know your love for me your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples because he had first said I want you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart all of your mind and all of your strength everything that is in you Jesus said something else like this he said I am the light of the world then later he said in Matthew you are the light of the world we are the light of the world. So we, the, the light that we, that is in him has to radiate through us as we submit our wills to him and become more like him. The more we make sure that this relationship is intact, the more that love is going to shine out of us in horizontal relationships. Also, he said things like, don't judge. Don't judge. Now, that's kind of a throw it out there. Anytime the, any kind of Christian wants to say anything that's biblical these days, people are saying, don't be so judgmental. Don't, you know, the thing is, we live by the Word of God and we speak the Word of God. We're not the judge. He is the judge. And we will know you by your fruits as well, he said. So uh, we don't judge. However, man felt like that they had the right to do that. And that's when you can't afford, you cannot afford to be judgmental. You cannot afford to judge because the same thing you judge, Jesus said, I will meet it out back to you and that same measure will it come back. It's like the adulterous woman and you remember her. She was met, rescued by grace and mercy uh, of Jesus as the people wanted to judge her. Jesus did not judge, but he forgave and he made covenant again. So your relationship with Jesus changes the whole way that you view the world. That's why our world is so messed up right now, because there isn't a biblical worldview. There isn't a worldview through the eyes of Jesus. Now, now here's the deal. Here's something to, to know as I move further into this. When you struggle 
uh, have a heavenly or an earthly father on this level and you struggle with that relationship with your father perhaps he's died early on in your life or perhaps there was some kind of or he left and abandoned you or I don't know what your reason may be but if you struggled with a relationship with your father then many times you struggle with a relationship with your heavenly father because you you somehow get this picture that, the, that a father has abandoned you and you can't trust him, then automatically it puts in perspective to you that you can't, um, that you can't trust your heavenly father, which is a lie from, uh, uh, from hell. And it's one of the things that we see so prevalent in our world today. There is just so many fatherless people here and and our fathers have not taken their positions and taken their places but in the last days the father's hearts will be turned back to the son and the son back to the fathers and we're seeing a renewal of that and we will continue to see more but the closer I get to Jesus the closer my relationship is to him the better mother I am the better sister I am the better pastor I am the better friend I am when my relationship with him is intact so nowhere in scripture is this picture more clear than this book that we're about to dive into called Malachi so I want you to turn there with me because you haven't probably seen it like this before you think every time we open it up we're about to take an offering I am NOT about to take an offering but now you can give if you want that's all I'm saying remember that we're looking at the covenant between God and man as a model for how covenants are broken and then how they're mended broken covenants leave us hurt broken covenants that's why God said he hated divorce he doesn't hate the divorcee no never and in this house they are welcome and loved and we will treat you like uh, like we treat everyone else you will not be treated differently uh, there is no way that that is a part of a New Testament believer to cause condemnation however we, God knew the pain and the suffering and the brokenness with the feeling of hurt and hate, being hated and the confusion that comes. And he realized that we would build up walls around us to isolate ourselves from the hurt and the pain. And many of you here today have done just those things because being hurt by an enemy is one thing. It's kind of like you expect it, right? You know the enemy's out there. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't put a name on him right now. But I'm just saying he's out there. But we don't always expect that on those people that we're in covenant with, that we've come into the house of the Lord with, or those we've entered into a marriage with, or those that our family members that we've grown up together and had each other's back. That's when the pain comes. That's when the confusion comes. The abandonment starts coming. So I want us to read here in Malachi 1, if they'll put it here for me, in the New Living Translation, Malachi 1, 2, and 3. God says, I have always loved you, says the Lord. But you retort, really? Really? How have you loved me? How many times have you possibly said that when somebody says, well, you know, I've always loved you, but, and you're saying, Really? You want to name a few of them? What, what, what makes you think you've always loved me? And the Lord replies, this is how I showed my love for you. I loved your ancestor Jacob, but I rejected his brother Esau because he was not in covenant with God and devastated his hill country. I turned Esau's inheritance into a desert for jackals. There's something about it here when we understand maybe you didn't see, you don't always see God working on your behalf. But here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen, according to this word, when God makes covenant with you, when God says, I love you, there's been many times when he's out fighting on your behalf and you're not sure where he is. Could it be possibly that he's trying to protect your back? How many times has God saved you? 
from situations. How many times has he gone to bat and protected us when we're back here saying, oh, you know, I just don't know. God, God he ain't even, I can't even feel him right now. Well, it might be because he's covering your back right now. He's out trying to do, to do his will and to keep things in perspective. Malachi 2.11, again, is... Uh, it says, Judah has been unfaithful, and a detestable thing has been done in Israel and Jerusalem. Now, this is a principle. The men of Judah have defiled the Lord's beloved sanctuary by marrying women who worship idols. Now, I know that, that this is saying women, we're looking at an overarching text today. We're digging deeper underneath the surface of the text. It isn't just women we're talking about. It's relationships, period. It's covenants, period, that we make in life. Judah always seemed to make covenant with the wrong people. Judah makes covenants with the wrong people over and over. He made covenants by serving gods that were not the one and only God. Now, let me ask you a question. In close relationships, in business partners, in friends and, uh, that have caused you pain in the past, in deep lasting friendships, possibly family members, possibly marriages, or even those in the church, they were, they've caused you pain. Many times it's because they're out serving other gods and not being faithful to the covenant that has been established between you. And somehow that chasing other gods and chasing money and chasing fame and chasing the world system has a way of taking us away from God and breaking our covenant with God. And it is major consequences that come. Many problems are, are avoidable if we just did not make covenant with people who serve other gods or live in adultery or live in an, by adultery I mean who live in, yes, adultery as in a man and woman or adultery as in spiritual or as in a principle of not being faithful to a covenant. Are you with me? Okay, so we're talking about a deeper principle here. Somehow, there's a hard truth of God's Word that I want them to put on the board for me. Do not willingly enter into covenant with people who are serving themselves the enemy of the world. That you cannot enter into, or if you, if you are there already, we've got to decide today, what do, you, what do we do? And we're going to get there. But let me first establish to those, please hear my heart. Don't be carried away and don't let your unfaithfulness to the one true God ever be pull you away or pull you off track where you enter into relationships. And, and does that mean I never have a relationship with someone that doesn't know Jesus? You know, I can't befriend. No, Jesus befriended sinners. There is a difference than when you link yourself up with them, when they become part of your, your lifestyle, when they become part of your thinking process, when they are affecting you more than you're infecting them with the Spirit of God. It causes problems. It causes heartache. It causes pain on a level that goes way above what is just normal. I'm telling you it is a principle. We are living in a covenant-breaking society. We are living in a major covenant-breaking society in this nation. And because of it, our nation is in trouble. Judah messed up because she was marrying in women who were serving other gods, and they were into idolatry. But I want to stop long enough to say this, because I've come today to talk to you about what do you do if you're already there? You can talk to me about what I shouldn't do all day long, Pastor Renee, and I can pass that on to my grandkids or my kids one day, but I need help right now. I've come to help you. We're going to get some answers from the Word. So what do I do? I want to go back to that picture of the cross because this is the first thing you do. What do I do if I'm a victim of a broken uh, covenant? First thing you got to do is keep your vertical 
covenant intact. You got to keep your covenant strong, even though others have broken it, even though you've done something wrong in the past, even though you have been a part of that violator. And, but somehow you've got to get back in relationship with the covenant keeper himself because you can't keep a covenant if he isn't strongly motivating you if he isn't strongly a part of every decision you make in your life it has to be from your covenant keeper so keep your vertical covenant strong if uh, Jesus never let what was happening around him he never let that change his direction he always went back to the father and said I've come to do the will of my father he always went back to look when you've seen the father you've seen me whatever he does that's what I'm doing you he always kept his relationship with the father intact and we have to as Christians today do that not actually on the cross his last words some of them were it's not not my will but your will be done this is where we meet with major conflict because it all goes back to submitting my will to God submitting my will my vertical relationship must be strong if it's broken in other ways I've got to get my relationship with him strong again I've got to go back to the beginning and I've got to make sure that I have a relationship with him that's not out of rote it's not out of what I've been taught what somebody told me years ago and that just I kind of answer questions out of rote no 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 there has to be something happen in your heart there has to be a heart change there has to be something that so moves you back to that cross and that relationship with him and your love for him number one you have to keep your vertical covenant strong and Jesus made sure that he did that number two you keep doing your part you keep doing your part now what do you mean by that you be faithful to your covenant well I've already messed it up well get back on track and do it whatever they do uh, whatever they do they do but you stay on track this is what you are responsible for Israel thought God had abandoned them and so they abandoned God oftentimes in relationships we don't perceive things correctly so because of our defensive posture we're going to just leave them before they leave us so we're going to turn our back on them we're, before they turn their back on us or we're going to say something ugly before they say something ugly to us that's how covenant begins to be broken down in our lives and we have to get back in relationship with God and then we have to do our part stay in covenant do what God has called us to do don't use the other party's problem to justify what you're doing I know y'all wouldn't like that one, but I'm going to say it again. Don't use, and I have that written down for y'all. Don't use the other party's problems to justify your own actions. Can you say amen? amen. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were messing up, Jesus went ahead and did the right thing for us. When we didn't know the right thing, he did the right thing. So we keep doing the right thing. Say, do the right thing. Tell your neighbor, do the right thing. He did his part while we were sinning. And number three, keep forgiving. Oh, no. I, I mean, I, they have done so much in this relationship. I am there. No way. Uh-uh. If you forget, there's no way I'm going to do that because I have a right to feel. I am so tired of hearing that. I have a right. I have a right. Well, in America, we do. But in the Bible, we don't. It's a theocracy. It's not a democracy. This is all about him. And we have his rights that he's given to us as the children of God. But we do not have a right not to forgive. We have to forgive no matter how deep 
no matter how hurtful the situation is. Listen to Matthew 6, 14 and 15 in the New Living Translation. It says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Okay, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will forgive you, will not forgive your sins. You know, Peter is one, one of my heroes in the Bible. I know people say, oh, he, did not, he just denied Jesus three times. Yeah, he did. When have you ever messed up, never messed up? Then you jump in there and tell him how bad he is. But I love Peter because he just kept getting back up. When he failed, he kept getting back up. And in this particular case, he thinks he's going to jump out there and really get ahead, you know. Because in the, um, in the Old Testament, that if you forgive, you're, you are by law required to give three times. On the fourth time, you do not forgive again. That was the law. However, when Jesus came, he changed the law and became the new covenant. And he said... Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He said, look, if they forgive, and he went into this, this uh, parable, and, and he said, I want you to forgive them 70 times 7. Now, or, uh, here's the deal. Everybody wants to make a big, big deal about that and go into all this numerology and all. Come on. It's just simple. It, it's not some big, deep, hard, uh, a hidden secret here. All he's saying is this. Look, just keep on forgiving. When you think you've forgiven, just keep on, keep on, keep on forgiving. Because that's going to be your way of life in this new covenant. When you think you've forgiven enough, uh-uh. you got to do it again. Say, do it again. Well, Peter jumps out there and says, whew, you got to forgive them when Jesus asked. He said seven times. Boy, he was getting way ahead of the Old Testament. He said, let's do it seven times. That was real religious. That was going to be a new beginning and the end of grace. And, and, and Jesus just said, no, 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 no. You still don't get it. It's never ending. It's continual. It's 70 times seven. And in, in Luke 17, one through five, he said, you must Forgive. If you want to increase your faith, you got to forgive. Show us how to increase your faith. I'm going to need some help, they're saying. And Jesus said, you sure are, and this is how you're going to do it. By forgiving over and over and over and over again. Okay, Renee, does that mean when somebody stomps on me and they, can, they, have, uh, they have done everything evil and dark and wrong and everything that can be done that I'm supposed to just stay there and take it? I did not say that. I just said you got to forgive. You got to forgive them. You got to keep on forgiving and forgiving because you don't have a future until you release that hurt and that pain. So keep on forgiving. Forgiveness is not an option, ladies and gentlemen. It just isn't. Jesus is serious about forgiving because in his prayer, as I said a while ago, he's saying, God, Father, forgive those who trespass against me. See, he's really, he teaches us how to forgive the past Forgive the present, and now he's taking it into the future. You mean I got to go ahead and forgive people for what they're going to do? Yep, that's it. That's part of our covenant with Christ is we take on the character of Christ. We forgive those who have done wrong. We forgive those who are doing wrong now, and we forgive those who will do wrong in the future. And you're probably saying, well, you know, I'm not, nobody's ever going to do it to me again. Oh, stand and watch. It's going to happen. Something is going to happen that you're going to have to exercise forgiveness in your life. Then, I love this. I love number four because this, is, this seems simple, but oftentimes we make it difficult. You have to keep building roads back. You keep building roads roads back. Keep creating, creating ways to come back into relationship. Come back and, and, and I am not talking about 
a, a divorced situation here. That is not, I'm doing an overarching teaching of the principle of covenant. We keep building roads back where we can mend things. We mend relationships. We are healers. We are healers. That's what God has called us to do. God continually reached out to man. Multiple covenants. They'd break it. Then he would forgive them. But he always made a way where they could come back. Until finally he made the way. He said, I'm going to have to send my only son, Jesus Christ. And he is going to be and make a way for the new covenant. So now you don't get to me only through him, my son, Jesus. Aren't you glad that Jesus forgave? And because of that, we have the ability to forgive today. Oh, God triggered. Uh, man was always far away, it seemed like. And God always triggered something that opened up a way. As far as you have been running and people run from God and they get away from God and they do things that are so hurtful and so desperately sinful and then they have a tough time believing that God would ever accept them again. I want to break that power today and say it doesn't matter what you've done. God will make a way back. He will always make a road. In the, and, and in that running away, somehow we get these unbelievable ideas that there is no hope. It's too far gone. As I was coming to church this morning, there was a prophetic word that I want to release rising up in my spirit. And I just want to say to every person that has a son or a daughter that's on drugs, that's out there, that's way out there, that God's going to bring them back. For relationships, God's going to heal. For every spouse that doesn't know Jesus, I call them in and prophesy. They will know Jesus. For every single friend that has been broken and doesn't know the Lord and has struggled and gotten away from Him, God's going to find a way to bring them back. There is something that's drawing by the Spirit, and we release that today over them. I don't know if it's your son, your daughter, your husband, but I call every single spouse back into the kingdom of God. I declare that God is a covenant God. And no matter how many times we break it, he finds a way to bring us back in. Your family is coming back to Christ. Your family is coming back to Jesus. Your sons, your daughters, your husbands, your wives, your friends, your relationship, yes, and your boss. Is going to know Jesus. Your boss is going to know about him. God's going to find a way to bring him in. And you know what? He's probably going to use you to help get the job done. I know that you probably didn't want to hear that, but that's the, uh, that's the, that is the deal. So that brings me to the next thing, which is don't give up. Never give up. Failure is not final. Quitting is final. Don't give up on your kids. Don't give up on covenant relationships. And, and I know some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, well, I, you know, how can I not give up on that? I've been divorced for 30 years. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about relationships that you have some input in. That you have opportunity. That God has invested in you the ability to reach out and forgive and open up doors where those people and those relationships can be healed in Jesus' name. I don't care how many times, you know, you think about it. Those people, and I've heard testimonies after testimony, how people are running from God. They're just, you know, they're out there. And just when they think it's over, they'll be running from God. They're running from church, and they'll run into every church person that you've ever seen. I mean, they will come, they'll turn on their radio, and the voice of the Holy Spirit will speak right through the radio. I mean, God can use anything to open up a door back. You can't get too far that God doesn't know where you are. God will keep drawing by His Spirit, and I believe that that's what He's doing. God has a covenant with His people, and we don't give up, and we don't quit praying. Now, let me quickly recap. 
Number one, keep your vertical relationship with God intact and strong. Number two, keep doing your part, what you can do, not the other person. You can't do what they, you can't help what they do. You can help your response. Don't react respond correctly to them number three keep forgiving and number four keep building your roads back now how did do I violate my covenants and how do I mend them I'm gonna slightly for the next few minutes I'm gonna get out of order with my text because I want to end in a specific place so I'm gonna go back to Malachi 1 6 it says in the New Living Translation, the Lord of Heaven's armies says to the priests, a son honors his father and a servant respects his masters. If I'm your father and master, where is the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for our name. So we violate our covenant when we do not honor and respect our covenant partners. I'm just giving y'all time to write that down, and they need to put that up on the board. Thank you. We violate our covenants. That's how you violate it. Yeah, but they don't deserve to be honored. No, 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 no. That's not what it says. We have, do you think that Randy Clark has done everything perfectly in 40 years? You're right. No. <laughs> no. There have been times when I didn't want to honor him. I don't get that choice. I honor and respect him. I don't honor and, and every little thing that he does that I may not fit. But I bring honor to him even when I'm still trying to mend a riff. I told y'all I was going to get in your business today. Because that's what we do. That's, that's what we have to do if we want to keep our relationships and our covenants. And if we want to mend them, we cannot violate it. Honor and respect. In fact, I will tell you a little secret when it comes to men and women. The Word of God says that the wife should honor the husband. But the husband should love the wife. And so, uh, of course, it's both in both parties. However, you cannot discount just because somebody has done something wrong that you now do not have a right to honor and respect. We have to honor and respect. It's a principle. They cheated God from being able to reward them because somehow in this text, I want you to go to that 12th verse. You dishonor my name with your actions because honor builds people up. Honor builds you up. Dishonor tears people down. When people are honored, there's just something about that powerful principle that causes people to just rise above the occasion when they're honored. You keep doing your part. They were giving God leftovers. I want to continue to read that in just a minute. But somehow in this sixth verse, do you have it up there? The Lord of heaven's armies say to the priest, A son honors his father and a servant respects his master. If I'm your father and master, where the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? Somehow there has to be a solution. And honor and respecting our spouse, our covenant, our relationships with people, our boss, those that we have relationships with, we have to honor them. That's how we mend it. If you're in a situation that is broken, that's the, here's the, one of the solutions. Start honoring. Oh, I just don't know if I can do that. They are just so mean. Find something to honor them for. Honor is a principle and it works. It's a covenant principle. And remember this, what you sow, you reap. If you want honor, then sow honor. If you want respect, then sow respect. Well, they just don't respect me. But how much have you been respecting them? I'll let you answer that. Malachi 3, 6 through 10. I want to read this. And here's where it's talking about the money part. We're not going to receive an offering, so just hang tight. Okay? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. Then you ask, 
How have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. Keep going. I want Malachi 3, 6 through 10. Okay. You have shown contempt by offering. Then you ask, have you defiled the sacrifices? I am the Lord and I do not change. This is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord, heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never even gone away? And he said, this is how you did it. Should, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. And the ESV says, you've robbed me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? Well, this is why you cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. Oh, my goodness. You are under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen. The, the tithe is not just money. It is the first fruits. And the first fruits belong to him only because he's first. So when you take the money, Israel... And you, you go do other things with it. It is declaring to me disrespect and dishonor and your curse because you put that before you put me. Now I'm really going to get in your business. Because here's what happens. We do exactly that. We start and we give, we give much of ourselves to other situations. Like, for instance, you... Rob your wife of affection. You rob your husband of honor. You rob your kids of time that should have been spent with them, but it was over here or over here. And he said, let me tell you, you've been unfaithful to me because you have not put me first. So in a covenant relationship, it has to do with faithfulness to God first. Number one, the, the ties are just an example. And God's connecting here our relationship with God and His house and His church. And specifically using this principle of tithing because it's the first of the increase. It's before the law, it's under the law, and it's after the law. He took care of priests and the house of God first. And He he who gets first determines the lordship, whoever gets first. So let me just say, who's getting first of you? This is a big, big subject, and I don't have time to explore it all. But he said, bring all the tithes, meaning all of the first fruits. How much? I mean, how much, sometimes we just give, in, in giving, we just give as much as, you know, kind of, we can get away with. Maybe in ties. That's why the church of the living God is not as doing everything she should and could be doing. Because people don't give all the tithe. But he said give all. But there's more to this scripture than that. Because he's saying you've got to give all of what belongs to me, to me first. And if you are unfaithful to that and you start giving it over here and you give it over here and you give a little over here, there's none left for your wife, for your family. So let's go ahead and get this in order. Let's go ahead and put it up here. God first. You're probably going to be shocked how I do this. But it's always God first. Then it's going to be your spouse. Then it's going to be, yeah, your family. Then it's going to be your church. Then it's going to be your job, your business. And then it's going to be your friends. That's the, in the Bible, that's how we see it coming down. And so when God doesn't get first, because you're giving it out to over here, or over here, or over here. But what if you don't give what should be? My, my son said something the other day. He said, Mom, I came home after being gone for a week. And my daughter, who I love with my whole heart, she came running. She was ready to spend time with me. She wanted it right then. In fact, she demanded it. And he said, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Kennedy. I'm going to spend time with you. But first, I'm going to spend time with your mother. Because I got to keep that relationship intact first. 
And then I'll have what I need for you, Kennedy, and we'll get together. I know that, I, I know that this is kind of like everybody wants to say, mind your own business. We'll do that. And I'm just telling you what the Bible is saying. I'm just trying to give you principles of covenant, of keeping covenant intact. And how many times relationships are broken and we violate our covenant when we cheat on our covenant partner. And it's not just about adultery. It's we give everybody else and there's nothing left for our covenant partners. And so, hey, if I loaned you a hundred bucks and you came back two days earlier than it was due and you brought me $50 and you were so proud that you, and you got it back two days early. And I'm looking at you like, what are you excited about? You still owe me. And I wonder times in our family, in our church, where we're doing everything and we're going after false gods, but we're not keeping our covenants intact. We're not keeping our relationships intact. Bring all the tithes, giving portion, but not all. But our God deserves the best. It all belongs to Him, but He's just asking for the first 10%. But that same principle is what we do in our in relationship because the money always reflects the heart. Always will reflect the heart. Now, the Lord of money is, not, is also that Lord of our heart and those relationships, and we have to get them back in the rightful place. I'm going to ask something uh, because at this point, I need to give you this last illustration before we are finished today. But there is, a, there is this overriding thought that pervades in society how little... Just how little can I give and still please God? How little can I give my wife and still keep her from nagging? I, I really don't mean to be, uh, be on the guys. Let me get over on the ladies. Yeah, how, much, how little can I just give him just to keep him out of my hair, you know? Keep him on the right track. That can't be our heart in covenant. Covenant says, no, I want to give all. I want to give you my best. I want to offer you my very best. And then what's left will be passed around. But what belongs to you, of course, God. But then our spouse, then our other covenant relationships. It's not about how little. You know, we have to care about what God cares about. We care about what they care about. We have to care about what our husbands care about, whether I like horses or not. I have to read about them. I have to look at them. I have to smell it. I have to go pick up the stuff. I got to do all that because I got to care about. The principle is, if you're going to love me, God says you got to love what I love. And I love the people of God. So you don't get by without loving me and loving the people of God because that's what God loves. He loves people. He loves people. And we've got to be people, but he loves the lost. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And let me just get this in. If we are going to be covenant keepers and mend our covenants and keep them intact, we got to love what God loves. And he loves people. He loves the lost. And if you are not sharing your faith with other people, you are not keeping your covenant with him. You are not keeping your covenant with him if you're too embarrassed to share your faith with other people. This is our time. Next week, we're going to open this place, and it's going to be a marvelous time for this next month for us to tell everybody we know and those that we don't know about Jesus because we're going to have at the movies, and they may not be intimidated by that, but oh my goodness, I've already seen it. I was there when they were writing it. I was there when we were praying over the thing. And it's going to turn their socks upside down. It's going to be an awesome time. But it's an avenue. So tell people that's part of your covenant with God. How do I mend? The solution is stop cheating your covenant relationships out of what they deserve. Get your priorities intact and start giving and keep giving. And relationships have to continue to be strong. We violate our covenant when we say terrible things about other, our other partners. Yeah, but they deserve it. No, they don't. You can say something that is in an ordered conversation. But don't whine and talk about them all the time. Men, women, boys, girls, whatever relationship, it will destroy it, the relationship, because we act out what we say.
We believe what we hear. Hearing, faith comes by hearing and that by the Word of God. But it also comes when we speak, we get what we say. So make sure because the people of God broke their covenant literally because they kept complaining about God. They kept complaining against them. In in Proverbs, the 15th chapter in the Message Bible, it said, kind words heal and help. Cutting words wound and maim. I want to challenge you with something this week. How about removing anything that even looks or acts like a cutting word? or an unkind word. And if you've got something you feel like you just have to say, then I am believing God that out of your mouth it will not come unless it's laced with love and kindness. Don't just, you know, well, I just had to tell them my mind. Yeah, you told all of us your mind, including God. Because there's something about it. When you are kind, things change. Malachi, and I want to read that 16th verse there. We violate covenant when we're unfaithful to our covenant partners. This is where I want to go. Would you guys come up here real quickly, uh, Pastor Durbin and Stacia? This is something I saw in Scripture. I've never seen it like this. In the King James Version, uh, New King James Version, it says that the wife of your youth, she was young, she was beautiful, but you have abandoned your covenant with the wife of your youth. In the New Living Translation, it says to divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty or to be unfaithful, another one says. You overwhelm her. God hates divorce, not the person, but he hates broken covenants. And here's what we do. I want y'all to put those on. You know, we studied about how that uh, one of the covenants is we take on the name. And I wanted to talk about that today, but I'll finish up with this. When, when she, what was your maiden name? Shellman. Turn around. It's not Shellman any longer, is it? It's Patterson. And so why did this happen? It's because Durbin said, look, I'm going to cover her. I'm going to put on a cloak over her. I'm going to put on a cloak and, and I got her back. And you're going to have to go through me if you get to her. I just want you to know that. That no enemy is going to be able to come after her. But then he does something. Yeah. Then he starts doing something. He. Now, you know I'm not talking about Dervin and Stacia. It'll be all over Facebook. All of a sudden, these labels, because there's abuse that comes. And abuse is more than beating, I can tell you that. There's, and now, he's caused, because the word says, right here, it is, he's overwhelmed her with cruelty. And he covers her garment with violence. He covers her garment with violence. Then she's got abuse and hatred and abandonment all over her. And now... But he's supposed, I don't know how long these are going to stay. And then he's got rejected. He's rejected. She feels the rejection. And yet she's still supposed to be covered. And he's supposed to have this garment on her. And now she's broken. Now there's shame on her. And, And everybody sees it because she's walking around with this cloak on. And this is what's happening. Now she's got un worthlessness yeah that's right over your name right there then she's got betrayal because she's feeling all of these and her cloak now has been covered with these things these oh and it says to divorce her or to be unfaithful to hurt her in any way is to overwhelm her with cruelty where she's feeling all of this and he's think he's just over here doing good but the truth is they're supposed to be one right then he's got them all over him and he don't even know it he's walking around but the whole world can see it everybody can see what's going on Everybody can see there's an abuser there. Everybody can see the liar, but we think we're covering. Everybody can see that he's an abandoner. Everybody can see there's self-centeredness going on, but he's got his cloak and he's, you know, he's got it all together. He, everybody can see there's unfaithfulness there. I'm not just talking about 
and unfaithfulness in, in adultery. There's many ways we can show that, that, he, that we cheat our, our covenant partners out of what is rightfully should be belong to them. And somehow now they're walking around like this. Then what do we do? Then what has to happen? All we can do then is repent. Then we have to ask God. There's something, there's something that takes place in our being. And it's not just words anymore. And we have to understand that if we're going to mend this, I kept hearing this words from Acts, that in Acts the third chapter, repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come in the presence of the Lord. So repent is, means more than to change your mind. Repent means Durbin's got to come over here and start repenting and taking them off and removing them because he's supposed to be protecting her. He's supposed to be keeping her. They're supposed to be one. And somehow the garment gets totally destroyed and the garment becomes that which is not righteous before God. And the solution and how do we mend it? We repent. We change our ways. Repentance is more than just sorry you got caught. Repentance is I'm sorry I've grieved the heart of God. I'm sorry I've grieved my covenant partner. And now I want to turn back to God. I no longer want to be the liar. I don't want to be self-centered. I want to be God-centered. I don't want to be a cheater. I want to give the first fruits to Him. And the first fruits of what I'm supposed to give to my covenant partners. Would you stand with me, please? The times of refreshment will come. They're available to every covenant relationship. But it begins with repentance. It begins with turning away. It, would be, it begins with just saying, God, I know that I haven't done what is right. And I want to speak to husbands in here. I know I've said a lot to them already, but I just I feel, I feel a real need to share something with husbands today. And I'm going to ask every person, please, to bow your head in this building. Heads of households, I just want to encourage you and challenge you today to be man enough to say, yes, I have cheated my wife out of time. I have cheated my wife out of me. I have cheated my, my headship of my house. I have not always made that first place. And I have to make sure today that I get that intact because I've been wearing labels that the world sees and I think I'm showing something else, but it's obvious to everybody else. But today, God is going to give us an opportunity. I want you first. I'm going to get open up these altars and ask for men to stand and maybe bring your families if you want or your wife and come and stand in this altar and say, I want to lead my family in covenant relationships. I want to, I want to renew within them a hope that we will have a godly covenant relationship. And I believe God's going to do some wonderful things in the next few minutes because this is a place. This is a place where we do official business. So if you're one of those people or you're a husband that says, I want to do it again. I want to take my family and say, we're going to be a family that's going to make Jesus first in our life. And I want to commit to my wife that I'm going to make her priority in my life. I'm going to honor, respect. Women, please take your part in this. I am giving this altar call now for heads of households. But I'm asking women as well, be a part of this. Don't put it all off on them. This is our time to make sure that our covenants are totally and completely in the right relationship with God first at the very, very head of everything that we do. I want to pray over you. I'm going to give you just a moment while they're singing to, for more of you to come down. Then I'm going to pray and I believe God's going to do some mending, some healing, some heart searching. And there's refreshing 
that's going to come in the presence of God today. Thank you, our Father. Sing for us, please. Thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every single family that is represented in this house. And especially those that are right here in this altar that have taken the challenge and said, I want to put my family first. I want to put my relationship. I want to take off the labels that I have unwillingly and not meaning to have put on my, my covenant my covenant partner in Christ. Father, I thank you right now for every one of these precious men and women that have said so willingly, Lord, we are sorry. We want to do what is right in your eyes. We want to make our covenant strong together. We want to make our relationship strong. We want to be able to weather the storms that the enemy has for us. We will stand strong and we will not be moved. Father, I thank you that love and respect and honor is coming back into these relationships. Father, I thank you that you're going to open up their spirits and let them see ways back. Let them see roads that are opening up to them and avenues that they can portray you to their covenant partners. God, I just command by the power of the Holy Spirit that where the enemy has entered in like a flood, the Holy Spirit of God would raise a standard against him. I declare, Lord Jesus, that no self-centeredness would be able to come in. Father, I thank you that a giving heart and a giving spirit is upon every one of these precious families. Father, I thank you that there will be no unfaithfulness not just in, in an adulterous situation, but no unfaithfulness. In fact, there will be no searching out after gods that are not completely the God. There will be no other things that will take priority in their lives. But Lord Jesus, you will have first place. I thank you for it, Father. Now, Lord, open up their spirits and let forgiveness be released. Let forgiveness be released upon them today. We determine that. We declare that. We speak that, Father, that there will be no curse on their family. There will be no curse on their finances. There will be no curse in any way upon them because they are surrendering to you as first in their lives. And